0: There is an obvious increase in temperature. There can be no climate deniers. There can be no climate change deniers. We are getting these changes in species coming up. What it has done to the indigenous species is the worrying aspect.
1: In June, there was a marine heat wave in Irish waters. For days, temperatures increased by up to five degrees. Already, fish we normally catch are moving away from our shores, while previously unknown species, typically found in hotter waters, are arriving here. Environmentalist Sersha McHugh expects that marine heat waves, which are caused by climate change, will increase in frequency with predictable results.
2: It could result in mass die-offs. It also means that there's more severe weather. And like with marine heatwaves, the likelihood of these increasing in frequency and severity is that those fish stocks won't be there at all.
1: Hotter seas and the impact of that on the ecosystem, on our coasts, is something we can all understand. So why aren't we more worried? This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, what warmer seas mean for our coastal communities and our fish stocks. Saoirse, we know from a climate organisation, it's called the US National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that there is a marine heat wave off the coast of Ireland and it's been classified as extreme. What is the prediction?
2: Well, I suppose the thing that it, that it's, what extreme means is that it's like the Category 4 and I believe there's five categories and the only thing above this is uh, too extreme i think they've labelled um but this basically means that for over 5 days the the global surface te- the surface temperature the surface sea temperature around um around Ireland and Britain up in the north atlantic has been in some places up to over 5 degrees higher than usual um which is quite extreme when you think about the variability that is usually within that that sea surface temperature, which isn't like on land. It's much smaller, maybe 15 degrees at the very, very maximum. Um, So it's quite severe.
1: Now, a five degree anomaly, I mean,
2: that doesn't sound too bad, does it? Uh, No, it definitely doesn't. And I am a big wimp when I go in swimming. But for a lot of cold blooded animals that live in the seas, like obviously there are the warm blooded, there's mammals there as well. It is quite severe because like that, there's usually not water heats up really slowly and it cools down really slowly, unlike land. In terms of impact, what do warmer seas mean? Straight away, what they mean is like big stress on fish, on marine mammals, on shellfish. Um, And depending on how long this goes on, it could result in mass die-offs. It could result in fish moving to cooler areas. It also means that there's more severe weather and like we've seen over the last month, but there's been frequency of thunderstorms, quite heavy rains. um, And our sea temperatures are so important in terms of regulating our climate in Ireland, Um, because water heats and cools so quickly. You know, we usually wouldn't be seeing these sort of temperatures till August. Um, And are the seas going to keep heating all the way till August? And what does it look like in August then? Um. So it just means a lot of un, unsettled weather, the possibility of more extreme storms and like severe impact on fish and marine life.
1: Now I was struck by a sentence in your recent op-ed for the Irish Times. You say, marine heat waves pose a greater threat to Irish fishing than any Brexit quota row ever was. What do you mean by that?
2: Yeah, well, it means... I suppose that you know, especially when the quote, when the arguments over quotas were going on, you know the under the base understanding under underpinning all these discussions around quotas and stuff is that there will be fish there, and that we're talking about uh, fishing industries that have developed over decades in these over centuries sometimes in these areas, um. But the it it was you know a, an argument over who gets to fish what, but what we're talking about with marine heat waves. And the possibility and the likelihood of these increasing in both frequency and severity is that those fish stocks won't be there at all. Um, Like nowhere, nowhere within the kind of historical fishing grounds. And if it drives fish deeper, if it drives fish much much further away, of course, it means it's more difficult to fish. Um, And fishing itself is, you know, a big threat to Fish, because <laughs> we often know we only just think of fish in terms of their value to fishing. Um, but while we already have fish stocks that are being regularly overexploited, I think the term they use is, but overfished, um, obviously they'll be more fragile to marine heat waves. They're also dealing with pollution a lot of the time. Um, this is like back to the core of what sustainability means is like, will this be there in the future? Will these fish be there in the future? Like, is this at all? sustainable not just is it slightly greener than it was before but can this happen in the future will there be fish
1: kevin flannery you are a former fisheries officer you're a marine biologist and founder of the dingle oceanward aquarium and you're something of a go-to person when it comes to identifying exotic species in irish waters how did you first get involved in that
0: Oh, I've been doing that. But well, basically, prior to me, there was a gentleman in Dingle who owned the pub, and he used to give the fishermen a pint bottle for any weird and wonderful fish going back until the last century that they used to bring in and then send it on to the Natural History Museum I, as a child, because I was born not, not alongside him in Dingle. And we used to collect stuff and bring it in to him, and he'd send it on up. So when he passed on... I was handed the mantle because fishermen were still bringing in weird and wonderful stuff. They used to get 10 shillings from the Fishery Research Centre for anything weird and wonderful. And so the mantle passed on to me and I've been doing that ever since.
1: So have any unusual species been visiting Irish waters since the recent spike in water temperatures?
0: Yeah, uh, I got a call from a number of, of fishermen. The first one from was from Ily. She She's a daily swimmer in Ventry. And she noticed these unusual type of jellyfish, these little red blob jellyfish. And I went back to Ventry and we found them. And my daughter found another load of them in a place called Maria in Smerwick Harbour. And they only had been recorded three times prior in Irish waters these are a type of what i call a red blob jellyfish absolutely harmless but there were absolutely hundreds of them there then i got a call from uh, john ball below in turkhead below in west cork and he had these black uh, bunch of grapes attached to his lobster pots the man is fishing out of turkhead down there and he asked me what were they because every fisherman now has a, a phone an iphone and they send them on to me and I identify them as cuttlefish eggs. And what I had been finding is quite a lot of cuttlefish bones, these bones that you give in to the canaries and budgies and stuff like that down through the years. Quite a number of them had been washed ashore and they also had been identified as swimming in the water. So I collected those eggs and we have them. Um, I hope to grow them on uh, to full cuttlefish at a later stage. As well as that, just west of that, yesterday i collected these what i call spanish octopus extremely large most of people would have seen them in spain for sale in restaurants they hang them outside the restaurants inside and they have very large arms or tentacles, and they, they eat them in Spain. We don't eat them that much in Ireland, or haven't done as yet. But last year and the year before, we recorded maybe five to six of these species coming inshore, and they obviously are devouring his lobsters in the, in the pot. And they're a worrying aspect of their, and I would regard them as new in Irish waters. Now, the octopus vulgaris, the Latin name for them, is that they are quite homo-moving. I have never got them as large as these, maybe one back in 95, but nothing since. And they have, as I say, turned up from the Blasket Islands to Kinmare Bay down to Skull. So these that marine... Heat wave as such that we got, I would say, it has brought in a number of weird and wonderful species. But the problem is, what it has done to the indigenous species is the worrying aspect that I have. Because in the aquarium, we found that the gadids, i.e. the cod, the haddock and the pollock, suffered extremely bad with the increased temperature. Because the temperature increased so dramatically for this time of the year, it went up virtually five degrees in a matter of weeks.
1: So in terms of the impact on Irish species, is it the the rise in temperature of the water that's impacting the cod, the pollock, the haddock, and so on, or is it these other species coming in impacting on them?
0: It is actually the rise in temperature because these species will move off and have moved off. And I am extremely worried because obviously these gadoid species, these cod and haddock and and whiting stuff, lay their young in the early Uh, January, February, March, and they would have been just gathering up, showing up and getting ready. And then all of a sudden you had this dramatic increase in temperature and are they gone? Have they moved off? Uh, Have we killed them off with this increase in temperature? Because I know that once it goes over 16, 17 degrees, uh, the cod will die in our tanks if we are holding them, as will the pollock and the black pollock and white pollock. So has it done a lot of damage. This is the problem and this is what I would love to see the Marine Institute having, uh, how would you say, a climate emergency group for the marine environment as well as TAGUS having this ready rather than having an annual report that we would be emergency aware straight away and we would see the impact and know the impact and maybe carry out some changes. I don't know but... My own personal feeling is we do need something more rapid, a more rapid response when the likes of this situation occurs.
1: Now, is this a totally new phenomenon? You know, the, the arrival of species more often seen in warmer waters?
0: Well, we, most of the species I have been getting with the last 40 or 50 years, uh, and that I've been sending up to my colleague Declan Quigley and up at the Natural History Museum, have been what we call Lusitania species, species coming from warmer waters. We very, very rarely get cold water species coming further down. Virtually 80 to 90% of the species we'd be getting are Lusitania species coming up from Portugal, Spain, Africa, that sort of way. So there is an obvious increase in temperature. There can be no climate deniers. There can be no climate change deniers. We are getting these changes in species coming up and therefore are they pushing out our other species possibility but our other species prefer the colder water so they're moving further north as we've seen with the mackerel stock Iceland never caught mackerel now all of a sudden they're taking over at the best part of 200,000 tonne per year so our species are possibly be pushing further north and then the grass that feeds them the plankton the whole thing is changing as well so These are facts. These are facts that are happening. But this phenomenon that occurred in June, we never got five to six weeks here of constant 20 hours of sunlight heating the sand and the sun and pelting down on us for that long without having rain and cloud. So therefore, that increased the temperature quite dramatically. And what caused us to have that high for that period is obviously climate change.
1: Now, devil's advocate here, but is there anything good to be said about these new species coming into Irish waters?
0: Well, you see, the traditional fishermen and the traditional fishing in Ireland has been your trawling, your gill knitting, your potting. Now, there is a strong possibility. Obviously, we're, we have a fleet down at the Tuna in Biscay. The Tuna moved further north this year quicker and there possibly be in Irish waters. Now, the water temperature has dropped dramatically again down to 14 degrees in the last week or two when, when the colder waters came in and the, the, we got the overcast weather as we're getting at the moment. With the possibility, we should have, we will have, and do have more tuna in Irish waters. The Marine Institute, in their surveys, they carry out huge volume of survey work, and they have noticed we have anchovies and the fishermen, when they're uh, targeting herrings and stuff throughout the winter, are picking up quite a lot of what we call sardines or pilchards, as well as the anchovies. So there could be there could be uh, a silver lining for that type of of fishing to develop in into the future.
1: Now fishing is still a livelihood and you know a way of life for many people living at the coast and you're in Kerry. How are the fisheries in Kerry faring economically at this point?
0: Economically, I will put it to you like this, 70% of the fish landed into Castletown Bear is now landed by a non-national fleet. And I would say given this year, you'll be looking at over 80% of the fish landed into Dingle will come from non-national fishing vessels, i.e. Spanish and French landing in here. The local fleet is taking an absolute battering the Seafood Task Force. Uh, recommended i.e. that if people wanted to get out on a voluntary basis to retire them out and the EU provided funding for them through the British Exit Scheme and this is happening in a quite a dramatic way and the problem is it's a food industry it's it's a resource we've seen during COVID we depend on our indigenous food industry and God forbid, if anything ever happens again, we will have to revert to that. But as an industry as such, it's in deep, deep disarray.
1: Well, Saoirse McHugh, she's an activist and environmentalist, and she said in a piece in the Irish Times that we may need to fish less in order to let species recover and cope with the environmental shocks such as this heat wave. Would you like to see that happen?
0: We are fishing-less. There's quite a dramatic, as I said, downturn and the fishing effort is has taken a major downturn and with the number of uh, fishermen exiting and the number of vessels is decreasing rapidly. Ireland had a fleet of over two uh, 2,200. We're now dropped down to I'd say 1,900 and of that we only had 700 trawlers. That now is dropping down to less than 400. You'll have 70 full-time trawlers working in Ireland. So Station McHugh's dream has come true. The, the fishing effort by Irish fishermen has dropped. But our problem is we're still the factory vessels, the very large factory vessels that do not come ashore. It's virtually impossible for the Naval Service or the Sea Fishery Inspection Authority to check them out at sea because everything is frozen. Everything is stored in cold storage. Don't know. Every other country, these factory vessels go into it. These 30 factory vessels that we have in Europe that are virtually owned by a Dutch conglomerate, they are required to have observers on board when they fish in the likes of Canada, US, down in Chile and everywhere else. We do not require them to have any observers to see what they're doing, what they're discarding, how they're operating. Some of these factory vessels have never been in the country in which they're registered. But what I'm saying is every one of these vessels that freeze over 100 tonne of fish should require to have two independent observers on board at least so that we know what they're doing and what they're discarding and what they're catching.
1: So that's one direct action you'd like to see. And look, it's very clear that we can't go on as before in the face of this kind of extreme change to the environment, the the heating of the seas that we've seen specifically in June. Is there one other action you'd like to see happening now immediately?
0: I would like to see fishermen rewarded for doing conservation work. Basically, if what my problem is when I was at Sea Fisheries and I put it to management, why not reward fishermen if they increase their mess size to le- release younger fish? And I was told we cannot reward conservation; we have to enforce conservation. Now, with the EU, the new piece of legislation that possibly will go through Parliament on the eleventh of July, for both for farming and fishing, the the, the NGOs and this sort of thing coming down the line because we in Ireland enforce European legislation extremely good as such. So what is needed is the brilliant scientific people that work for the Marine Institute, that work for TAGUS, we need them to come out on the ground and say, Look, we're not going to flood the land that you have calluses on your hand from, from broken backs, from picking stones, from draining it. We're not going to take over all the sea that you worked with a candle and a compass to develop trawling ground out there. And by working in the ground and by using the best of scientists, the NGOs are well-meaning. They have to justify themselves. Would-be politicians have to justify themselves and especially coming up to new elections. But what we've got to do on the ground is work with the farming community and say, look, environmentally, we have to get down to the basis of the fishermen and the farmers and talk to them and use the scientific community, the brilliant minds that are in the Marine Institute and talk with these and say okay, we've never seen you trawling in this area, we've never seen this tallow's area being deep ploughed. These are areas that can be used and the environment will be of brilliant bettering if we can bring the farmers and the fishermen with us rather than bringing in a piece of legislation from the top down or NGOs drawing lines and maps and saying you're out of here, the fishing industry is finished the farming industry has to be closed down that is not going to work
1: Coming up, Saoirse McHugh on the causes of the marine heat wave. Certain McHugh, so we've established the impacts and the potential impacts. But what is the cause of the marine heat wave?
2: So the marine heat wave um there's like a quadruple I think I saw someone saying a quadruple whammy of effects being an El Nino year, but basically the you know, the heat in the Pacific and it just affects kind of weather patterns globally. It's this cycle that's constantly there. There's you know, it's been um, said that a decrease in Sahara sand, which usually kind of reflects heat away from the North Atlantic, a decrease in sulfur emissions from shipping. um, But all of that is on top of the fact that the earth is heating up from climate change, from oil and gas emissions primarily. um, And I think I said in that op-ed as well, like oftentimes we can point at one or two things, but talking about these sort of anomalies, heat waves, droughts, things like that, without mentioning climate change is like talking about um, an athlete who wins gold, but we don't mention that they're on steroids. Like you you cannot, there's no way to say this is exactly because of climate change. But it is known that all these things are exacerbated and their frequency is increased by climate change.
1: Now, you live on Ackle Island, uh, Saoirse. What impact are you seeing of
2: this marine heat wave? Are you seeing anything? Well, I don't, I don't see anything from here. Like this is, I think these things will be looked back on over years and said, Oh, you know, this is when that started, you know, fish started moving. Then we have had quite, um, dramatic weather, I'll say for the last maybe six weeks, a lot of thunderstorms and then, you know, hot weather and then big downpours. Um, but what, what I often think of, so I'm from Douai. Um, which is a very I don't know if you've ever been it's a very mm-hmm. very coastal like and um my like my granny's house was flooded there by the sea there about so nine years ago now there's a big storm um and nobody ever moved back in and the house I used to live in we moved out two years ago because I just couldn't face the stress of another winter worrying about these storms and when you hear about um how these marine heat waves, Will increase the severity of storms. Um, it's quite frightening to think, because when it's happening and like there's so many people around the coast who can kind of relate to this, um, they're terrifying. Like I, I remember lots of us just standing on the road watching these waves hit my granny's house, and there's nothing you can do. Um, and it's like entire lives just kind of washed away and destroyed by the sea. And the idea that we're going to kind of keep on the path we're on um, and I suppose what all those coastal areas, all these coastal villages be damned because like you drive along the coast in Ireland and it's so evident that these communities were built during a time of and like developed during a time of fairly stable uh, sea levels, fairly kind of predictable storm patterns. And a lot of them are quite close to the coast. Um, And so it's just it's quite terrifying to think of what will start happening and what is increasingly happening.
1: Do you have any theories? Uh, Because I I, I do wonder about this myself. Why is climate change such a hard thing to communicate? Like, you know, when I I hear warmer seas being mentioned, like I have to fight with myself not to think of my holidays in Cork this summer and the freezing sea and to accept that that is a
2: very bad thing. Yeah, I suppose it like it is really hard. Sure, I love the heat. And every time I hear, you know, we're in for roasting weather, I'm like, oh, great. But also, no, this is terrible. Um, I, th- I think because it affects every single part of our life and such an overarch, it's almost it's almost invisible to us because you every single day since you were born, there's been rain or sun, there's been weather, you know. Um, And there's been these changing patterns. And I think humans are quite good at absorbing like a year on year. This is the hottest June on record. This is, you know, the most extreme heat wave on the planet. I remember, was it three or four years ago, there was huge wildfire fly- fires in the Amazon and also in Australia and everyone was talking about it for a week, maybe. And and it moved on mm. and it's almost like you start to forget them. And, um, you know, and every new event is, oh, wow, this is the hottest. Whatever. This is another broken record. And 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 oftentimes these things, the the effects these are having on our lives do happen quite slowly in human scale. Um, But also, I think the there's not a or it's very difficult to communicate um, an alternative. So oftentimes people get bogged down in like tons of CO2 Mm. or uh, this being reduced or that being reduced. um, And there's not a kind of like uh, something to aim for being presented. Now, it's getting better. You do hear people talking a lot more about uh, warm homes and, you know, cheaper electricity and things like that. Um, But it is, yeah, it's just hard. Like, People don't want to think about it. It's it's awful to think about. That's it for today. For
1: breaking news and analysis, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon and John Casey. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.